Hey, this is Todd. Hey, Jimmy here. This is Every Playlist Tells a Story. Uh, Super excited about this week's episode. It is Iron Maiden Week. Uh, What's the chances that we would pick songs from the same album? I I don't think this will ever happen again. No, and and it was super close on even picking the same song. Like when I thought... I'm going to do this Iron Maiden song for whatever reason I had. I kind of ran through the list of Iron Maiden songs, and I was like, man, there's so many Iron Maiden songs I could do. Right. But I stuck with my original one, and then when I talked to you the other day, I was like, all right, this week I'm going to do Iron Maiden. Or I think you said you were going to do Iron Maiden. I was like, holy shit. What well, song? I, I had another song in mind, but then, you know, there was another death in my rock hero family right. that was tied to Iron Maiden. So I was like, oh, I got to do an Iron Maiden song so I could talk about, you know, the passing a little bit. Right. Um, I was just like, well, you know, he he did all the he produced all the albums in the '80s and early '90s before he retired. Martin Birch, I'm talking about. So I was just like, yeah, I, I was randomly just I'll, I'll pick Fly That Vicarious, you know, that, that's going to be good. Right. And it's it's uh, it was like you said, it was amazing that we both picked Iron Maiden songs. From the same record. Yeah, peace and, of mind. And I think that night after I got off the phone with you, because we talked later in the you know, early evening, maybe sun was going down. All right. And I, in the fire pit, I just had a bunch of scrap wood and stuff. And as I got off the phone with you, I just like, there's no better time. So I went down there and I lit the biggest fire I could light. And I just played Iron Maiden catalog. And I sat there by the fire for like an hour. It was nice. awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Destruction. Oh. Yeah, a, definitely up. Uh, definitely requires a little Iron Maiden in your life. Right, right. So yeah, I'm. You know, before you know, again, this is going to be the Iron Maiden episode. I'm going to jump in with just a couple of just random notes I scribbled down that are kind of off it before we kind of dive into this thing because I I know I've got more notes on this song episode that I think I've done to date. So, and I know you mentioned you had quite a few notes as well. Well, because Iron Maiden is a, was such a big band growing up. Oh, yeah, it's huge. If you don't know who Iron Maiden is, the best way I can describe it was back in when MTV used to be a music television station. Yep. Um, Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer on, on, the, on this album we're going to talk about, uh, was on there as a host. Uh, he was promoting the uh, Live After Death album. Great record, great record, and um, there were there were scenes where he'd go out. It was in New York City, I think. I'm pretty sure it seemed like it was New York. He was out on the streets with a bundle of these bundle of those albums for this live album, and he was uh, just talking to people passing by and people that had no clue who Iron Maiden was. They were just going. They were off. They, the they were just breaking, really. Yeah, uh, and you know, this long-haired British guy comes up and. He he was he walked up to this one woman and said um, he was t- describing the album you know trying to get her to take one of the albums and he said if Napoleon had had this album uh, when he was when he was fighting the British in the Battle of Waterloo he would have won. I thought that was perfect. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is all about marching forth. It's very much a get ready for battle type of oh, band. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, their, all, their whole catalog is that's, that's definitely, yeah. let's let's go, let's attack now. Yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah let's get after it. For, as far as random notes I've got, just things I scribbled down, just kind of the housekeeping thing before we really dive into this. Um, 
So one of the things I'm, I'm going to mention is the other day I was spraying off the driveway, kind of doing my chores or whatever. You know, the driveway needed a hose and off, so I got the hose out. And I'm out there spraying it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put on the every playlist tells a story playlist on Spotify. And just you have a hit. playlist for a playlist. Well, I've got the playlist that I've got posted. So, like, you know, it's if you there's a song on there, you can go to Spotify and find this playlist. There's a link in all the socials and all that stuff. Where now is that the songs that we? That's all the songs we do. Yeah, there's okay. a playlist on Spotify. Okay, so you listen to Benny Vincent Invasion. Well, yeah, I just I pulled it up and I hit shuffle and I went where it took me. Okay, gotcha. Right. And and probably halfway halfway through my chore. Of spraying off the driveway, you know, to, to kind of just monotonous back and forth and kind of pushing stuff down to get, you know, to the edge of the driveway and into the grass or whatever. Meatloaf comes on. Paradise by the Dashboard. Oh, yeah. And, and there was a moment I went, I don't know if I'm ready. For, I, don't, I don't, you know, I'm not here doing, spraying the driveway off, man. It's like, you know what? I don't care. You're getting toward the end? No, it's probably I'm in, the, in the middle of it. In the okay. middle. So I had plenty of time to get through the song, but my okay. whole thing with the Meatloaf Paradise by the Dutch Ford Lights has always been, if I can't go through the whole song and perform and all yeah. that shit, I don't do it. Right. Made the decision right there, I'm doing it. You're going to go will, for it. I will tell you what, I have always, my performances have always been limited to in the car while I'm driving. So when that song comes on, it's not a big deal, whatever. But man, taking it to the next level and doing it while I'm in the driveway and you, you know, one hand's holding the little sprayer part, the other hand's holding the hose. It almost felt like I was holding a microphone. Uh, yeah, so, okay, gotcha. So it took it to a whole nother level for me. So I'm out there, I'm doing the parts, I'm singing along, strutting around. I don't know what the neighbor saw. I don't know if anybody saw anything. But when I got done, I just went, shit. If there's video of this somewhere, if, if this shows up, I'll let you know. But I just... It, it, it was that epic. It was that... Well, I don't want to say epic because I'm... Well, for this neighborhood. Well, well, probably for this neighborhood, yeah. It was, it was probably something to see. But, man, I would just... It was it was that moment I just kind of laughed at myself and I was like, shit, I'm doing it. I don't care. I'm, I'm not going to skip this song. I'm, I got time. Don't worry. And just, and just the whole... The whole having, you know, a garden hose in one hand pulling it around, feeling like a microphone cord or something, it just added a whole nother level to it. So it was... That was my excitement from last week. Yeah, you know, at our age, we don't have to worry about being cool anymore. Now, I heard something the other day is at our age, we define what is cool. You don't have to tell me what's, you know what, yeah, what I'm wearing is is cool. I don't care if you like it or not, to me it's cool. It was a whole thing about, you know, when you were younger and having the right shoes or having the right clothes and all that stuff. And one of the guys said, you know, that's a great thing about being our age now, man, is we get to define what's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it would define cool in that way, though. For, for, man, I'll tell you what. Whatever I'm wearing, if I think it's cool, it's cool. I don't care if you think it's cool or not. That's the difference. And when you're kids, you know, obviously you're worried about, the, you know, the grief you get for. Because definition's different as a teenager. Oh, oh yeah. What you're saying. But, yeah. but, yeah, gotcha. we're at the age where we don't give a shit, really. Yeah, and that's the key. That's the key is just, you know what, if I say this is cool, it's cool. So, right. yeah. Because it's all internal. It's all internal. Yeah, okay. Oh, I got you. Yeah. I can understand that. Yep. Uh, the other thing, I don't think I mentioned it before, but I should have mentioned it, and shame on me. Uh, so, you know, I've talked before about the Justin Moore podcast. Yeah. I think I mentioned it to you in passing, but I don't think I formally mentioned it. Man, we got an awesome shout-out from JR, his uh, tour manager, 
on that show a couple weeks back. I think it was episode oh, cool. 12. Uh, I think the Hank It Belt episode. But uh, my buddy JR, give us, give us some good buzz. So Nice. Thank you. That was cool. And then uh, he also, you know, we talked on the instrumental episode a couple weeks back, too. He also sent me, there's one I really wasn't familiar with, his one of his favorite instrumentals, but it was uh, ZZ Top, A Sleep in the Desert. It's an older, older one. I went and listened to it. It's, it's cool. It's got a very Western vibe to it. It's it's cool. I've I've put it in my rotation. It's it's a great you song. You say what album that was off of? Is it? It's Texas with a J. What is that? How do you say it? Tejas? Tejas? Texas with a J. Oh, Teya? Teya. I yeah. think it's Teya. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's on that record. Okay. Yeah, it's like 77, 76. Yeah. So it's in the mid-70s. It's, yeah, it's, it's early, early stuff, but... Yeah, it's a pretty cool, I mean, it's just very laid back. I mean, it's, you know, you think of ZZ Top and kind of what they sound like. It is not, it's not that vibe. It's just a very laid back Western. It's It's got a cool feel to it. I mean. Before they got. We're, we're not even talking about, we're not the, even talking about Eliminator Plus. Yeah, yeah. and the beards. Nope. And, yeah. nope. What else? Movies. Have you seen this movie called Yesterday? I know the movie you're talking about. It's the one where I know the plot line. Right, yeah. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's the whole, you know, the Beatles never existed thing. Yeah. Interesting concept. It is a fantastic movie. Fantastic movie. I, you know, I watched it the other night. I was, I don't know what it was about. It just blew me. It made me think so many just random thoughts of, just like, you know, in this case, it was the Beatles that never existed. Right. And so this guy, you know. Knows all these songs. Knows all these songs that nobody else knows. And so it's just like, what other, I'm just curious, what other band do you think would be as big as that? To not have existed, but you know all the songs. Well, I mean, you think of any of the big touring acts of all time, you know, the well, Eagles, yeah. U2. See, I, see I, was, I, I immediately went to the Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah but Eagles Floyd. is another good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you were able to just come up to the Hotel California and no one ever heard of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, it's a great movie. I'm not going to give anything away, but for me, it was just, I was fascinated by just the whole idea of this band never existed, this guy knew all the songs, and just the way it all plays out. I love in the trailer where he's in the studio recording Hey Jude. Right. And the producer is just like, whoever. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Our good buddy Ed Sheeran from... From the, when we were talking uh, about the uh, Dr. John, the Dr. John episode. Album. Yep, I, I love how he, uh, you know, he says, "Hey, would, how, what do you think of uh, changing it to Hey Dude?" And he's like, "No, it's Hey Jude." And he'd be, yeah, but Hey Dude sounds a little better. Yeah, I couldn't imagine going Hey Dude with that. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, oh yeah, that was that, yeah, it was cool. But yeah, Ed's uh, Ed's a big part of that movie. But there's, and again, it's just. I was fascinated by the idea of it. Yeah. It's so, a, yeah. It's, okay, I'll check it out because it's on, I think, Amazon Prime now. It might be, yeah. yeah. I think I caught it. I think I recorded it. DVR'd it off HBO or something a while back. And then there's another one I haven't watched yet, but there's another one about, I guess it's a true story about maybe Pakistan, a Pakistani kid and the Bruce Springsteen and how he's in, I don't know. I don't know anything about I that. I think one. that's based on a true story. I can't remember what it was called, but. Uh, I never really was a Springsteen guy. You know what? I was never a Springsteen guy either. I ended up going to see him in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just on a fluke. A guy we used to work for ran the building, and I happened to be over there, and Bruce was there. 
for not being a, a Bruce Springsteen fan, it was an amazing show. I mean, it was just the energy in the room because, again, not a, not a huge fan of him, but got to respect him. Well, I, if my introduction to Bruce Springsteen wasn't the Dancing in Dark video, I probably wouldn't be that way. Right. But I can't forgive. I can't forgive can't him forgive for, the that, sins. for that freaking whatever that dancing was uh, he was doing on that stage. That was Courtney Cox from Friends, wasn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, he had the white shirt and the jeans and this uh, hip thing going on. I was just like, what? Who is this clown? Yeah, you know? well, I, I, you know, again, maybe fell into the same trap that... You talk about <laughs> uncool. That was... I mean, he thought he was cool, right? right? But that was uncool. That's why I was having trouble with your definition of cool. It's like, oh. it, it was all internal for him. But was it really cool? I mean, come on. I, you know, there's a lot of those sins that were made in the past. By well, artists, so yeah. I, I said I forgive Aerosmith. I can't forgive Springsteen. Oh wow, no pass. No, I had just that that dancing in the dark video. Just I can't get past it. Gotcha. And then the last thing I'm going to mention before we dive into this is I happened to just on Twitter the other day. Uh, Rolling Stone Country had a post about I guess and again I don't want to get political, but is this a, a magazine of the band? Uh, well, it's the magazine Rolling Stone. Okay. And I guess they've got like a country Twitter feed. They, they can be political. Yo, 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 yeah. But it was Obama's summer 2020 playlist. Okay. And I'm, you know, whether you're for Obama, against Obama, I don't, really don't care. I was yeah. just more interested in the playlist and just seeing what was on there. And there was, of course, a bunch of stuff that, you know, newer stuff, you know, uh, you know some, some Beyonce song was on there, things like that. But just things that... Things that struck me as I went through the list were there's a Billie Holiday song, which I love those old jazzy. Yeah, you can't, they, yeah. You can't beat it. Can't say anything bad about Billie Holiday. Uh, Cheryl Crow was on there. John Legend. That Billie Eilish. Uh, oh, Billie Eilish. Eilish, Eilish, however you say Eilish, it. Yeah, she was on there. Uh, DJ, is it Khaled? I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't know. All I know now it. is I, yeah, whenever I see his name, I think of that commercial where he's telling that dude to brush his teeth. Yeah, it's about yeah. as far as I know. Put him, put him to work. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, Otis Redding was on there. There was a War song, Bob Dylan, a Bob Marley song, uh, Jason Isbell. Are you familiar with Jason Isbell? Um, no. Okay, we'll we'll talk about him. There, I've got a I've got a song on my upcoming list. Okay, fantastic. And there's a ton more, but again. It was just interesting to me to see that summer 2020 playlist by a political figure, and uh, just you know stuff like tired stuff now, like right? that interests I mean, me. I think so. I mean, I've been giving maybe speeches here and there. Yeah, probably, yeah, I don't yeah. fundraisers. I don't know. I'm sure. He's, I, don't, I have no idea what he's. Seems doing. like I, I don't know what list. I don't know what presidents do after they get done. I mean, I guess they don't really have to do anything. Yeah, this, give a speech here and there. Yeah, know. yeah, motivation stuff. Work on the yeah, library. for life. You know, benefits are I paid guess. for. You know, I guess I, was I, I don't think they got deductibles. They on got the that medical. Secret Service following them around all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a movie. Um, Nick Cage was uh, the security guard for uh, the wife of a president. Yeah, God, it must come out like 20, 25 years ago. Um, but I mean, it talked about the life. Right. It was a movie about that situation. I can't imagine it being easy. No, no. You know, Nick Cage was not, his life was not fulfilled at all. I mean, it was from right. his point of view. This was what he was assigned to do. And it was just, right. you know, wasn't, it had a twist to make it more enlightening toward the end, but, you know, basically he was pretty bored with the assignment. Right. 
Well, and then the point of bringing that up is, you know, like I said, there were some songs on there I knew, some songs I didn't know, and stuff. Anytime somebody puts a list out of, hey, these are my songs of whatever reason it is, I'm always interested in looking at it because, you know, I'll I'll peel through that list of songs and listen to them and see if there's any gems on there that I've missed along the way. So, again, it's not about being political. It's about the list. So, don't. No, yeah. yeah, Got you. And that's all, that's that's all I got for housekeeping stuff, man. It's just stuff that I've kind of scribbled down through the week to to mention on here. You got anything going on? No, just I'm two weeks away from my trip to New Orleans. Okay. Uh, found out they are not allowing fans into the Superdome for the kickoff week one game against Tom Brady and the right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm kind of hoping there's an area outside the Superdome called Champions Square. Um, Big TVs, band, large courtyard area, right. plenty of space for distancing. Right. Um, I'm hoping that's open. Um, but if not, there's plenty of places in the quarter, you know, to go watch it. I was going to um, say, you've, you've probably got backup plan for backup plans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, okay. there, we won't miss it. Yeah. It'll be going on in, inside the dome. So I'm hoping that, you know, the Saints will probably do something special outside of it yeah I, I would I would think and there will be a lot of fans there just for the tailgating and the hoopla of it right and I know you've talked about it so you've got the football game uh, you've got some family pictures to be taken uh, family pictures yeah you've um, got some studio visits a pilgrimage to the studio where a little Richard, little Richard uh, laid down a couple of classic tracks yep I have an assignment really okay okay so I neglected on a couple episodes ago when we were talking to Dr. John and we were talking about that whole Cajun and, and how folks in Louisiana speak. Oh, yeah, we got they, a gator a gator trip yeah. to set yep. up. We're going to drive over to Lafayette when we land and cool. spend the night. Okay. Because I was, I was in, there was a Mardi Gras parade back in, I guess, February, March, whenever, you know, that Fat Tuesday weekend was. And uh, I met a guy who was living here and living here now, but he's from. Southwest Louisiana. He says it's real Louisiana. It's kind of starts down in the Lafayette, Louisiana area. Okay. If you want real Louisiana, you got to go. Just you know, just visit for a day. You know, go to a restaurant, whatever. And right. Just get a flavor for the town. So I was like, ah, right, well, we're going to do that. We got you know, we rent a car, go to Lafayette, spend the night, go get some, you know, go around the town eat, and then in the morning we'll go to. The, you know, see the alligators for Nola, who you know with the little marshmallow right. trick, I'm assuming. You know, and then we'll drive on New Orleans and that right. Saturday. Um, so, yeah, yeah. We're going to get a deeper flavor here, okay. hopefully, this trip. Well, but anyway, well, your point. Well, stay safe. But my assignment for you is, so there's a, a guy I know, a friend of mine named Justin. He's from Louisiana. See him once a year on vacation and uh this year i discovered he has an interesting pronunciation for uh the condiment mayonnaise mayonnaise as we as we know it mayonnaise okay um his pronunciation is more of uh mayonnaise mayonnaise if if, if i were to have to spell it i would say m-a-n-dash-a-z-z Mayonnaise. And, and you almost got to kind of lean back when you say it. I don't think you can say it standing up, but you just got to kind of lean back and just go mayonnaise. Right. So, yeah, okay. It goes with so, the accent. Gotcha. So anyway, so, you know, when I saw him this summer and, and we were talking, it came up and I don't remember what we were saying, which is or something. And he said that and I, I had to stop him and be like, dude, what did you just say? And what are you trying to say? 
He was describing how to make a sandwich. Well, I, I don't I don't remember the context of it, but it was I think we were talking about that Tony seasoning and how they put that on sandwiches and subways and and he was talking I guess talking about building a sandwich with Tony's and getting some mayonnaise on it and and I was just like, What did you just say? <laughs> and so watch the pubic hairs, buddy. Yeah. So uh <laughs> So anyway, I, I decided at that moment that was my favorite pronunciation of the word mayonnaise, and I was going to start using that from now on. Man, you got to um, be careful. It, even though they say mayonnaise, everybody says it down there that way, up here. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, up here, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame. But I'm hoping to get it started up here. Okay, um, gotcha. This is what I'm hoping for. But my assignment for you is maybe, you know, maybe two or three places. Okay. Just ask them about, you know, if you can work it into the conversation, see if you can get two or three people to say mayonnaise or mayonnaise or whatever and just verify for me is 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 that the correct pronunciation in that area of the country or is it just justin i suspect oh, it's the okay. correct pronunciation in that area well that's easy when i i'll order a po' boy or something right and i'll say besides ketchup and mustard what other condiments do you have right yeah and that should come up yeah and i would think if you you know do two or three people that should give you a pretty even you know, and how, how am I going to ask that question two or three times? Well, you're probably going to eat two or three times down there, aren't you? I just have to come out and ask them. So how yeah. do you say? How do you say this word? It, yeah. Gotcha. Maybe, okay. Yeah. yeah, no problem. I, I, I'm interested in, in seeing what that unscientific poll comes back as. But, and then the other thing, too, is you got, you almost got to make sure it's like, hey, you know, are you from Louisiana or, you know, you go well, down, you'll go down there and get some, some waiter or waitress, you know. No, I've lived in Illinois my whole life. Just moved down here three months ago. Well, you can tell by their accent. Oh, sure. sure. Like in Lafayette, I think, I guess it's going to be obvious. Yeah. So anyway, I caught some shit from, uh, from a listener about not mentioning that during the Dr. John one. And I was like, you know what? I okay. got, I got to make it right. Okay. Plus it's, you know, shame on me. I should have mentioned it. I mean, that was, it would have been the perfect fit for there was a lot being for that conversation. About. But anyway, I, I am interested in, like I said, on this unscientific, uh, unscientific method of determining, like, cause like I said, it's my favorite. And, and I told him, I was like, dude, I am not in any way making fun of you. I absolutely adore the way you say that word. Yeah. Well, I went to, up to Minneapolis, the Minnesota Timberwolves game. Right. And I walked up to the concession stand, and there's you know people left and right of me ordering stuff. And I, you know, I, yeah, I'd like to get a Coke and you know a bag of chips or something along that lines. And the guy to my left turned to me and says, "Wow, you're not from around here, are you?" You know, with that Minnesota <laughs> accent. No, and I just kind of laughed because he liked hearing my voice, but I loved hearing his voice yeah, yeah, yeah. much, you know. And it, yeah, and I got a buddy up in North Dakota. It's Minnesota, but even thicker, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, are we done with all the formalities? I think we're ready to get into it. It's time for up the irons. Up the irons, Iron Maiden. You take my life, but I'll take yours too. You fire your musket, but I'll run you through. Let's yeah, the trooper classic. Uh, classic. Start it off, Todd. All right, I'm gonna start it off. So here's. Here's where I'm going to... All right, I'll just dive in. Uh, I got a bunch of information from Wikipedia. I read a Loudwire article. I uh, watched the Rock Legends on the yeah. AXS channel featuring Iron Maiden. You have to watch that Wikipedia. Because you've seen on YouTube the Wikipedia factor. Fact oh, fiction. yeah. No, it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm full. I'm... Yeah, anything I say here is is either things I've heard over and over and over or, you know, 
I, I, this this is never going to be 100% accurate based on because it's all perspective like we talked about yeah, with it, the other stuff but it's yeah you got to be careful with Wikipedia yeah, yeah like, like go watch Wikipedia Fact or Fiction Phil Anselmo yeah we've talked about that before Th- that one there's a, the, it's a classic example cream de la cream there. yep yep uh, all right, so Iron Maiden. We're talking about the Peace of Mind record. Came out in 1983. Song, The Trooper. Now, I made a ton of notes on this thing. So first thing I did was go back to 1983. So what's going on in 1983? Ronald Reagan's our president. Mario Brothers game debut. Fraggle Rock on HBO. Yeah. Those are the highlights. These are kind of the highlights. <laughs> Motorola introduces the first mobile phones. Wow. That early on. S- Sally Ride becomes the first woman in space on the Challenger. That's the one exploded, right? Uh, I don't. I, I said she was the first woman in space, so I imagine it's not the one that exploded. Okay. Uh, final episode of MASH. Star Wars Return of the Jedi, so we got our Ewok fix. Oh, yeah. Classic movie. National yep. Lampoon's Vacation. Oh, yes. Yes. And uh, Carrie Underwood. She was born that year, too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that kind of puts you... That, that's 1983 in a nutshell. Yeah, this Iron Maiden Sounds record. like you didn't miss much. No, I didn't miss much. All right. So peace of mind. Fourth album by Iron Maiden. Second one with the singer Bruce Dickinson. First record to feature Nico McBrain on drums. Mm-hmm. Interesting note, most of the record or most of the songs were written at the Hotel Le Chalet in New Jersey, and they even used the uh, uh, the restaurant for some rehearsal time. Yeah, it was like a seasonal restaurant, yeah. I think. Yep. And so that, I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, they just kind of rented out a hotel and the restaurant, and that's where they rehearsed and wrote this record. It's, Nothing better going on there in the off season. Right. Yep. The uh, Now, the album itself. And I know you're a studio guy, and I imagine it's probably in your notes as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, of, of all the studio trips that you are, are probably, you know, thumb thumbnailing out, and, you know, I'm, I imagine you've got a map up somewhere and you're putting push pins in, trying to mark where you're going to go and whatnot. Oh, push pins are strings attaching. Right, yeah, exactly. Like routing board. it out, yep. So when you go to the Nassau's Compass Point studio in the Bahamas to. Just kind of get the feel of the vibe of that studio. I'd like to go with you on that one. So just let me know. And it's in... in, uh, On the next cruise trip. Yep. Cruise boat. Yep. And uh, just some interesting notes about that one. And, you know, again, we're both doing the same record, so I'm sure you've got a ton of these. And I see you kind of scribbling stuff out as I talk. No, I'm just making... Yeah, we're not going to... But ACDC Back in Black was recorded there. Right. Yeah. And then uh, many other artists, Etta James, Bob Marley, Rolling Stones... Anything else you want to add to that list? Um, well, Iron Maiden did Power Slave and Somewhere in Time, the albums that followed up uh, the um, Peace of Mind album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said the Mo- Rolling Stones, uh, Talking Heads, Remain in Light. Yeah. Once in a Lifetime was a hit song on that. Yep. Um, B-52's debut album featuring Rock Lobster. That's a great song. Um, Turbo, Judas Priest. Oh, I'm your turbo lover. Oh. All came down there. Oh. Uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince came, went down to Bahamas. No kidding. Hit song off their '89 um, album, and in this corner was I think I can beat Mike Mike Tyson. You remember? <laughs> I remember the video. Mike I don't was, remember that one. That's when Mike was just unbeatable. 
I remember we had a, a keg party at my mom and dad's my senior year. Right. And, you know, it, the ceiling is, I don't know, it's probably 20, 25 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling my brother, like everybody was like on top of each other to watch his fight. Right. And I told my brother, turn off the ceiling fan so somebody's going to hit their head. <laughs> it was so jam-packed in the living room at my mom and dad's house right. that night. Um but the cure, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, was recorded there. You know, they had the song just like Evan. Yep. Um, let's see, but Thin Lizzy, Renegade, one of my favorite Thin Lizzy albums. Uh, Shania Twain, their 2002 album Up, was recorded there. Okay. Uh, you know, that's the album that featured her hit song Forever and Always. She co-wrote with her soon-to-be ex-husband producer Mutt Lang. Mutt Lang. You, you ever hear the story behind that? No. Um, he's Mutt Lang's also the guy that produced Back in Black, which was done there as well. It, it was a favorite spot of his. Done a ton of rock records. Was yeah. Def Leppard Pyromania, was that him? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mutt Lang, The Cars, huge. Heartbeat City. Yeah, huge uh, producer. Yeah. He did, all, he did the big Def Leppard albums. But I'm guessing this this uh, South American Zambian born Mutt Lang didn't um, write the Forever and Always Hook, being that he's the one that got caught sleeping with Shania Twain's so called best friend. But the ironic thing about you know that affair and Shania and Mutt getting divorced was that Shania turned around and married this so called best friend's ex husband six months later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Talk about getting your revenge. That's right. Yeah, but I, you know, I, it's funny that always and forever song. It's just like, yeah, no, not much. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell Shania wrote the lyrics of that one. Right. Back to the Peace of Mind album. One of the notes I, I saw on the internet said on the lower corner of the back side of the album cover, there was a quote that read, no synthesizers or ulterior motives. You think back to '83. That was that was kind of big in the pop. I know we've talked oh, about, '80s pop music. We've talked about that before with just like rock bands and how there's like a keyboard or a synthesizer stuff to kind of yeah. fill in that sound that was never given credit. So yeah, well, Steve Harris, he you know he was the visualist. Yeah, you know he's the man that controlled that band. And I, I saw where in '77 he did bring a keyboard player into the band to try to because they were going through. Musicians were coming and going, and he just wanted to try to go keyboard because that was so, you know, prog rock was right. so big, but you know, it didn't last. Well, yeah, that, that and that didn't show, that rock legend show I watched, it talked about the early years, and just it seemed like, like you said, just a bunch of people coming in and out of the band, trying different things, just trying to figure out what what their sound was going to be and, and what the vision was going to be. So, yeah, it seemed like there was a lot of experimentation with, uh, with trying to figure out what the Iron Maiden was going to be. Yeah, he so. talked about Nico McBrain being this was the first album, you know, this is his debut album. He was he replaced Clyde Burr. Clyde Burr was the fourth drummer in that band by that point, even though he was the only drummer on the first three albums. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, they've had three lead singers, including Paul Diano, eight guitar players, and, of course, that keyboard player I was uh, telling you about. Steve Harris is the only one that was... Uh, you know, the only consistent band member. But the good thing was, from Peace of Mind on, except for the time that Dickinson left from, like, 93 to 99, and um, the guitar player Adrian Smith left in 90 but came back in 99. Right. The the lineup you see today is a lineup that was on uh, Peace of Mind. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, there was a short period there where they left, but uh, came back. And who's they've got that guitar player, the Yannick Gears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he came on board when Adrian Smith left. But then he stayed on. Yeah, he stayed on. He stayed on after he came back. So they yeah. got like triple guitar assault going on. Live. Yeah, it helps with the you know handling the overdubs. It makes the live show better. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it is an assault of guitars. There's no question. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, if you're not familiar with Iron Maiden, one of the, I guess the best way I can describe them is man, they just tell stories. They just tell great, great. Most of their songs are just stories. And history, and history lessons. lessons. And, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. And it's just, you know, other songs on this Peace of Mind record that we won't go into. There's a song called To Tame a Land, which was written after, I guess, Steve Harris read the book Dune. And right. I think for a time they were going to name it Dune, but then they were worried about the legality of it. So they yeah. changed the name of that. Where Eagles Dare is uh, partially about a 1968 Brian G. Hutton movie. And the song Still Alive was inspired by a short story by Ramsey Campbell called The Inhabitant of the Lake. Yeah, Steve Harris says, of all the Iron Maiden albums, this is his favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just from front to back. And I agree with him. It's my favorite, too. It's Yeah, and I, like I said, I went back and listened to it that night after we talked. I mean, it stands up. It's a great record. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love, uh, we, you know, we talked about where Eagles Dare. I mean, Nickel McBrain, when he came on, Steve Harris is like, you know, you should really get like a double bass in your kit just to keep up with my bass patterns. And he was just like, no, no. He he, he was he's, he had too much pride, and you know, I'm not going to stoop to having a double bass. And I'm going to do it all with one bass. Right, so yeah. Practice and practice and practice. And you can hear, I mean, they he got so good that they were like, listen, you're going to introduce the first song on 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 the album with the drum intro, yeah. you know, and it's kick-ass. Oh, yeah, it's great. So so that's enough about the record. My song is, like I said, The Trooper, and I will tell you why I picked The Trooper. Recently, I have, there's a movie called World War Z, uh, Brad Pitt, the star in it, and uh, it was on, it's, it is by far, I love zombie movies. This, this is my favorite favorite version of what zombies could be in that world. Really? And you've, not, the and, and you've not seen World War Z, correct? Well, you know, we went to the movies to see the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Ving Rhames. Yep. And to me, zombies are just like, you know, it's like, you know, you think of like Michael Jackson's thriller video or, right. you know, the early zombies. They were just, you know, trudge, trudge, yep. trudge. Yep. I mean, they're so... I didn't really think much of slow zombies. and shuffling around. This movie, they were running, they were hauling ass, they were chasing people down. Yep, yep. And that, and, and the, that concept never. I, I must have it's, missed it's the ten times scarier. Where that happened. Yeah, it's ten like, times scarier cow. to have something that fast and just coming at you. Well, what really did it in Dawn of the Dead is when the transition to the zombies taking over. Yep. They, they, in in the middle of all that, they played. Johnny Cash's um, "When the Man Comes Around," right, and I was like, "Holy cow!" Now, whole, whole nother level. I was really petrified. Whole nother level. Oh yeah, yeah. And I just like, nope, I'm done with zombies. Yeah, that just and, freaked me and out. It, and, and again, yeah, it freaks you out. But that's that's my favorite version of zombies, and okay. that's what they are in this World War Z. They're they're coming at you, and it's you know I'm not. It's been out long enough. I'm not going to give you spoilers, but I mean, there's a scene where they are climbing on top of each other to get over a wall. Yeah, it was in the trailer. Yeah, and I mean, it's it look like ants. It's it's insanity. It's it's beyond insanity. But that's that's my favorite version of zombies, and that's why I love World War Z. It's a great interpretation of 
of you know the zombie apocalypse or whatever. And the whole movie is basically about hey, zombies are happening. There's got you know how do we stop it? What's the cure? And it's the whole the whole movie is the journey of they're trying to find a cure. Trying to trying to figure out you know how to like we Will Smith did and um, I am Legend. I am Legend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so again, the World War Z and in when that movie came out. I even there's a book world. The movie was supposedly based off this book, World War Z. So I went and got the book, and it's it's two different animals. The book is basically a bunch of short stories about what happens in in the world after the zombie apocalypse. Whereas the movie was more based on just the journey of trying to find the cure. Okay. Okay. Now, in this book, there is a a, a segment that has always stuck with me, and and it leads to this Iron Maiden trooper song but it's it's always been my favorite story in that book and i was when the movie came out i was like shit i hope it's in there because this would be freaking awesome okay but it turns out it wasn't so so that kind of bummed me out but so basically and and, and i love this i loved the book version of world War Z so much that when i finished reading it i downloaded the audiobook of it to listen to it again because every story is is told in a in, in the voice of the person it's being told from. It's, you know, kind of people... It's one man's the, point of all, view. All across the world, it's, you know, hey, here's my experience of this and here's my experience of that. So all, you have all these different viewpoints and stories of things going on in the world based on the zombie apocalypse. Okay. And I wanted to hear it as it was read by an audio book. And I wasn't disappointed because it was like, you know, when it was somebody from, you know, Japan or China, when it was their story, there was, you know, somebody with an Asian accent telling the story. And it was just... I was fast. It just, it just fascinated me. Okay. But so, basically, one of the story revol- revolves around the revolution um, and taking zombies out. It's it's again one of my favorite uh, stories about, uh, in the book. And it was totally bummed that it wasn't in the movie. And the idea, I think, it was based in Denver, Colorado. But the basic idea was okay. So, you know, there's this zombie outbreak. There's hordes of zombies roaming the land. And we've got to figure out a way to take them out. So basically, one of the one of the ideas was you, know, you find a hill, and you go up on the hill, and you create a circle with your troops. And on you know the front line of your circle is your guys with the guns. You got a second line that are providing ammo, giving you're relief. You're talking out in a wide open area. Uh, in a big area, yeah, okay. exactly. So basically, the front rows armed with the guns. The second rows in charge of reloading ammo, switch out for breaks, because basically. There's so many zombies out there that it's not going to be a 15 minute fight. It's zombies are just going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Really it's going to be up. it's going to be an all night thing. Okay. To get the attention of the zombies, to get them to approach said point where you're going to, you know, attack them or whatever, uh, they would use what they would call a primary enticement mechanism, and it's basically how they would draw the zombies into them. It's you know based on the movies and everything. Obviously, you get attention. They're based on you know. Zombies are attracted to noise. They hear noise, they react to it, and they go towards it. Okay. You know, I think that's pretty common in all the zombie movies I've seen. And uh, and from here, I'm just going to kind of, I've kind of paraphrased some stuff from the book or whatever, but I figured the best way to describe this would be just kind of just read it from the page. And uh, so, quote, every army had one by now. The Brits would use bagpipes. Chinese used bugles. South Africans used to smack their rifles with their asagias. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but uh, they would smack their rifles with their Asagias, which was an all-steel multi-purpose implement named after the traditional Zulu short spear and belt out Zulu war chants. So that was that was everything they did to get the zombies to come to them so that they could attack them. 
at that point. The location yep. on the globe. Yep. Got you. Yep. Uh, back to the the book. Uh, this this gentleman says, for us, it was hardcore Iron Maiden. Standing there in that desert wind with the trooper thumping in my chest, I got it. The primary enticement mechanism wasn't really for zombies' benefit. It was to psych us up, take away some of the zombies' mojo, you know, quote, take the piss out, as the Brits would say. Right about the time Dickinson was was belting as you plunge into certain death, I was pumped, gun charged and ready, eyes fixed on this growing closing horde. I was like, come on, zombie, let's fucking do this. Just before... (laughs) Just before they reached the front range marker, the music began to fade. The squad leader shouted, front rank ready, and the first line knelt. Then came the order to take aim. And then as we all held our breath and the music clicked off, we heard fire. <laughs> Perfect timing. Huh? And it was just like, it's like that passage stuck with me so hard. It was just like, holy shit. I mean, it's yeah. I, I can see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just, uh, whatever. And then that's kind of got me to what to go back to the Trooper years yeah, ago. Yeah. I was like, shit, I haven't heard that song forever. So I pulled it out and listened to it. I was like, God, this this is perfect. <laughs> so basically the imagery when I first read that selection, it painted that picture, took me to that hill they were on. I heard the Iron Maiden song. It was perfect. And you know what? And as I'm writing this and everything we're going to now, all I can think is, you know, if this COVID thing, God forbid, turns into something, whatever. Yeah, who knew? Right, who knew? But you know, if it does, I I absolutely know what the opening track of the revolution is going to be, and it's going to be the fucking trooper. Yeah, the ultimate battle battle song. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, just along those lines, and just kind of sidetracking a little bit, I was. Uh, I was going to the store or something yesterday and just kind of going, you know, songs were playing or whatever. And Led Zeppelin Immigrant song came up. I'm like, God, this would be another great one. Yeah. That's another good pump up. Let's get ready to do this in. I think Trooper's better, but Immigrant song would be another. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, it was, uh, it was played in Thor Ragnarok movie. Yep. Not once, but twice. Yeah. Yeah, two separate battle scenes. Oh, and yeah. It was a perfect song. It's a good one. It's a great scene. one, man. Uh, history or notes on the song written by Steve Harris, who's the bassist for Iron Maiden, uh, about a soldier in the Battle of Baklavia, which took place during the Crimean War, 1854. It was a failed military action involving the British Light Cavalry against Russian forces. Uh, it's also based in part on the Alfred Lord Tennyson poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. And Great poem. Again, or going back to Loudwire, they had you know every Iron Maiden song ranked in order worst to best or whatever like that the trooper is number eight just number eight number eight number eight on the of it oh i've got a list later on okay uh but the note on it the trooper is the song with the most longevity and crowd appeal so we were talking earlier about the trooper and it's just it's one of the most played iron you know iron maiden songs out there if i mean of of absolutely the catalog so even live whenever bruce dickinson he'll put on the old british uh Red coat. Yeah, he wears that red, out with the red coat and weighs that flag. Yep, weighs that flag. Yeah, and uh, and the coat. You know, the notes I, I found were you know it would it was a it's a replica of the coat that those troops would have worn. It's you know it's not just a red coat. It's a it's a duplicate. You know, during that period copy of during that period. Yeah. And speaking of that, and I remember this because this was back in two thousand five. I think we were still going to Ozfest and stuff, and I'm pretty sure we went to the Ozfest. I know I've seen Iron Maiden on Ozfest. Well, yeah, that was the night 
um, Ozzy got sick, I think, and Black Sabbath didn't perform. Probably. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it all kind of jumbles together. But but I remember during that time hearing stories that uh, Sharon Osbourne, another reoccurring character. Oh, I think I know where you stories, I guess was giving them shit about waving that flag. Because yeah. I guess that was at a time where the, the American troops were fighting alongside the British in Iraq at the time. And waving that flag, you know, she was saying it was disrespectful and, and whatnot, so... Oh, I didn't know the reason. Yeah, she was saying, she was giving him shit for doing it, saying it was disrespectful because the Americans and the British were fighting together in Iraq, and so... And she was against the war, I guess. Well, saying. I don't know if she was against the war. I think, I think her point was, hey, you shouldn't be waving that flag in America, you know... Really? That's that's that's, the, that's what I got from it. I, all I remember is her going up on stage on the microphone and saying... You know, in her Sharon right. voice, her accents is like, you know, I love the guys in Iron Man. They're all cool, but that Bruce Dickinson is a effing a hole. Not one to mince her words. Uh, and then another note I found it says in 2016 when Iron Maiden played in Beijing, and then a couple later, a couple of days later in Shanghai, Dickinson didn't bring out the flag as part of the request from the Chinese government to allow Iron Maiden to perform in the country. Wow. So he caught shit for it from Sharon in America, and then I guess part of the deal was, hey, if you're going to play in Beijing and or Shanghai, the Chinese government said this is one of this is a deal breaker. You can't bring that flag out. Well, it is uh, you know communist nation. Oh sure, yeah, sure, yeah. So I, I could I could see that. Yep. Uh, what I dig about this song, man, God, that groove, that just galloping. Forward and there's and that's kind of yeah, common. You can hear in, the horses attacking. Yeah, and that's common in some of the, you know the other Iron Maiden songs that are like kind of about wars and attacks and battles and stuff. That's that's a kind of a common baseline with that. I love that the dueling guitar solo assaults badass in that song. I Signature just, for I Iron Maiden. I love that yeah. that riff. And then I, I obviously I can't ever not think about Iron Maiden. I mean, if you say Iron Maiden <clears throat> to me, the image that automatically pops in my head is Steve Harris. Foot up on the monitor, playing that bass, kind of pointing it out to the crowd like it's a machine gun. Yeah, and I mean that's that's just it's you know they've got so many things about them from the the mascot Eddie and and the evolution of that through the albums and whatnot. But and for me, it's just that Steve Harris with that foot up on the monitor just playing. Yeah, if you, there's one picture of Iron Maiden, that's just, that's it. Yep. Uh, lyrics for the song are great. I mean, I just you know the. We kind of touched on it a minute ago, but the, the the opening lyrics, you'll take my life, but I'll take yours too. You'll follow your musket, but I'll run you through. So when you're waiting for the next attack, you better stand. There's no turning back. I mean, it just, it's boom. This, there's no, back, there's no backing down. Yeah. It, you know, nothing says charge like that. Yeah. And then the refrain, I mean, there's really not a, uh, uh, it's more of a refrain through the song that. Oh, 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 you do it better. You do it better than I do. But man, that's, I mean, that just, that, that's, that's a, the angst of the soldiers. That's right a there. war chant, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I love at the end of the song, too, there's no fade out. It's just like, boom, it's done. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's a, there's, there's not a better way to end that song. On to the next song. On to the next song. <laughs> uh, let's see. I've got this list here of, I may wait until. I may wait until you talk to yours, and then I'll go back and do this this Iron Maiden list of songs I found on the internet about ranking them. Just kind of mention some 
some notable ones. Um, no, I like this mix. You mesh, like this you, mesh you like that we're doing this the, time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's basically it's, it's the same album. Same so album, two different songs. Yeah, over. okay. No doubt about it. All right. Um, so yeah, I found this list and I just kind of ran through it and just kind of like I said, noted a couple of the, couple of the ones that stuck out to me. Number fifty-eight was "Die with Your Boots On" from Peace of Mind, the same record. Which you says in your top five. It, Iron it's definitely songs. my top five, and I even made a note here that depending on the day, the "Die with Your Boots On" could easily be my favorite Iron Maiden song. Depending on the day. Wow, I okay. love it. I love that song. Huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a great song, but man, number one. Yeah, it's for me. Yeah, and it, not every day. Not every day. Well, that's a great. That's a beauty of Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because no songs are the same, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, and again, this next song, number thirty four, was "Wasted Years" from Somewhere in Time. Thirty four. Thirty four. No and again, way. that's that's, a, that's, a, that's another one. Depending on the day, could be my favorite. I mean, yeah. I listened, I listened yeah. to it earlier today. I love that song. Yeah, it's it's and it's it's different from the earlier Iron Mean stuff. It's just it's a, it got a whole different feel. A to lot it. cleaner. It's a lot cleaner. It's just yeah, it's a whole different feel to it. Yeah, Adrian Smith tears up the guitar on. Oh yeah, he's just awesome. And it's you know the note on it was it was one of the band's it's one of the band's greatest sing-alongs, which oh, yeah. I get. I mean, it's just that's easy to sing. It's along. probably the most if, if there's anything that could be a pop song for Iron Maiden, that's it. Yeah. Uh, number thirty three, 33rd best Iron Maiden song from the Peace of Mind record, Flight of Icarus. Thirty thirty three. What the hell, Shame man. on them. Shame on them. They must have a lot of Pian- Paul Diano stuff in there. Yeah. Or they're trying to cover the entire catalog. I, yeah, well, it was like every Iron Maiden song. It was, I don't remember what. From it, every it, album. It was like a hundred and something songs. And, uh, you know, you just started with, you know, whether it was 158. It was 158th song. This is the worst Iron Maiden song. And then worked forward to the number one song. And, and what was the source? Loudwire. Loud Loudwire. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, they're incredible. Yep. Um, but the note on that one that I found interesting is this song was actually taken out of the live set. This was, this was put back in in 2018. Yeah, uh, Steve Harris is, was not a fan of this song because it's slower. He wanted it to be faster. Yeah, I don't know how. You, I mean, how are you going to make that faster? I mean, yeah, you can. It's I great. guess he's wanting to get the same tempo as a trooper. Maybe. I guess I don't know. But yeah, he like you can hear it on that album. You can hear it on Live After Death. But I think from there on he. Re- he refused to play it until this last tour of the Legacy right. of the Beast tour, which I learned my lesson with, with concerts. I didn't go because I couldn't find anybody that wanted to go see Iron Maiden. I mean, Butch went with me on the the Book of Souls tour, right? Um, which there's a funny story there. Um, but no, I couldn't find nobody to go. And, you know, now we're in a virus. Who knows when I'll get to see right, exactly. again. But, <clears throat> you know, and I... This is a mistake I've done twice because Waylon and Willie were at, were down in Sarasota, Florida, back in the '90s when I was living there. They they performed together um, at the AAA baseball park. And right. I was like, well, I can't find anybody to go with me, so I didn't go. Well, now Waylon's passed on. Right. Willie's getting up there. Getting, yeah. That's my one chance to get to see Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson together. Man, I'll tell you, I'll tell, I went and saw Marilyn Manson by myself. I couldn't find anybody to go see him with me. Antichrist Superstar. Okay. And it was just, it was, I wasn't going to go, I wasn't going to go. And there was the day of the show, and I was just like, I kind of really want to go see what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it I, was. And I think I decided at like then. five o'clock in the evening, you know, the show's okay. at seven thirty, eight o'clock. And I was like, I'm just going to go. I had a great time. Yeah. Don't. It, it, yeah. 
No, I'm not. I guess, I guess number one is call me first. And if I can't go, go by yourself. Shit. Yeah. Can't find anybody to go. Shit, go. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Deep Purple was another one like that because yep. I always want to see Ian Gillen. But yep. No, probably that'll never happen again, I'm sure. So, yeah, I learned my lesson. Yeah. Don't be afraid to go by yourself. Don't be afraid to go by yourself. But, yeah, so that was, yeah, they brought it back. And that's the first time in decades they played. I just can't imagine them not playing that song. I mean, it's, and I guess it's it's one of those situations where there's so many of songs that should be in the set list. You, you know, you can, you only can only play so long or so many songs, but God, I just can't imagine that not being in there. It's just such a great song. Yeah, I mean, it was released as a single. Yeah. One of the few songs they released as a single. Right. Ahead of the album. Yeah. Uh, number 31, Run to the Hills from the 666 number of the Beast record. We talked about earlier, another one of those heavily played songs. Yeah, definitely. Everybody, if they've ever heard of Iron Maiden, knows that one. Yeah, and then I try, and I did some research. I tried to find this thing. I remember years ago uh, when I worked in a record store, we had this big machine, and you could look up albums and you could look up songs. It was basically an early version of the internet, but it, it had a database, and you'd have to update it every month when you know a CD came in or whatever. But I remember just scrolling through it one day, and I and I can't remember what the band's name was. So I've Google searched it to try to figure out who this was, and in my search, I found there's a beer named after this, and there's all kinds of stuff named after it, but. One of my favorite things. A great of all. tasting lager, by the way. Is it? You had it. Yeah, they served it at the when we went to see him. Now, is this the Iron Maiden? Iron Maiden. Okay. The Trooper. I'm they're, talking about something different, but yeah, talk about the beer. Well, you know, there's they have a line of beer, Iron Maiden beer. There's right. a, you know, they got the Trooper, which is lager, and they just came out with an IPA. But uh-huh. the lager's good. I mean, if you love lager beer, it's just it's. Especially when you're at an Iron Maiden concert. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah, so they were serving that. They made the concession there to serve it. Right. But, yeah, they have uh, the, the the Trooper Lager, The Fear of the Dark. Obviously, you know, right. dark. I don't know if it's a Dunkel or what the hell. But um, And Sun and Steel, another song off Peace of Mind. Um, you know, Sunlight Falling on Your Steel, Death in Life is Your Ideal, Life is Like a Wheel, that song. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what that is. I think that's another IPA. I think the Trooper or other ones a double IPA, which I don't like IPAs. Right. That's I, that was only three. I know for sure they got in their line of beer. Right. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no, jump in, man. So back to I was talking about the album Six Six Six, the number of the beast. Mm-hmm. One one day I ran across this album title that I thought was the greatest thing ever, and it was Six Six Seven, Neighbor of the Beast. <laughs> That's classic. And that always made me laugh. And that, you know, it's, it's, there are, there are random album titles there that always, you know, that one sticks with me. And then the other one was, I, the, know, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Offspring? No, no. Okay, oh, go ahead. Okay. So the other one that sticks with me is, you know, during the time when Guns N' Roses was supposedly making this Chinese democracy album. Oh, Goo Goo Dolls. That took, took forever. No, was it Goo Goo Dolls or was it Offspring? I thought you told me Goo Goo Dolls. I, That's the same thing I'm thinking of. Yeah. Go ahead. The, yeah, I'm thinking it's the Offspring, but there was a, a rumor, a story I read, something somewhere, that at one point they were putting a record together, and and the idea was they were going to name it Chinese Democracy, and in parentheses behind it, you snooze, you lose. Yeah, that's perfect. And it's it's that's another album title that it just makes me laugh. How many freaking years did they sit on that? Oh, Chinese they sit on thing. I think it feels like fifteen. Ah, uh, easy, easy. Yeah. This is like but, they kept talking about, but, it, kept talking. About but that it. would be that would have been fantastic if Offspring or any other band just came out with a record called The Chinese Democracy. You snooze, you lose. That's perfect. That would have been wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Uh, all right, back to the list. Number seventeen, Aces High from the Power Slave. 
Oh man, another great song. Oh, you definitely yeah. That 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 one. You could see him in the plane going. Just that Winston Churchill that speech at the, the beginning, gun. starting that song. Yeah, it's, when, it's classic. Yeah. Oh, it's classic. Uh, it says it's one of their strongest singles ever. Was the Ace's High. Number 15 was Two Minutes to Midnight, again from Power Slave. Uh, Perfect. It's a huge chorus, great I song. I still can't believe these songs are that low. I, it's crazy. It's kind of I, I can't wait to hear the top five. I didn't, well, and I didn't do the top five because I figured I'd go on and on and on. I didn't want to get into the minutiae of it. I just kind of went through. It's Iron Maiden, man. Go for I, it. I know, I know. Okay. Uh, Power Slave from Power Slave was number six. That's in my top five. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, and then I just jumped to number one after that because I think there was a bunch of like the early Iron Maiden and from Killers, there was a bunch of that stuff in there. Running Free, Wrath Child. Running Free, Wrath Child, stuff like that. I got you. The number one song on this list from. Number of the Beast record, Hallowed Be Thy Name. Good song. Good song. And and the quote from this Loudwire article was says, This is the greatest of them all. Immortal tale of a man awaiting his fate at the gallows has passed into folklore as one of the greatest heavy metal songs of all time. It's a masterclass and a masterpiece. If those opening chimes don't give you chills, please hand in your metal license on the way out. It's uh, not... My favorite, and mainly because it's kind of a isolated topic about a man being executed. Yeah, it doesn't go in line with that, you know, that active charge yeah, yeah, mode yeah. we talked about. Yeah. I don't uh, think I'd put it's it. It's a great song. Though. It's a great song. I wouldn't put. I probably wouldn't put it in my top ten. No, I, it's it's doesn't. It's in it, with and it's kind of like Flight of Icarus. It's yeah. a different kind of feel. Yeah. Than yeah, the definitely. normal Iron Maiden stuff. So. Um. And I don't think we mentioned this before, but just when I start thinking about memories of Iron Maiden, it's you know the what the, the Trooper takes me to that World War Z book. Um, but then when I think about World War Z, I start thinking about zombies. When I think about zombies, I think about that zombie survival guide book you had years ago, and uh, oh, getting Rob Ro- Zombie getting Rob Zombie to sign it, and you drew that little zombie sketch in it. I forgot to bring that. I got to bring yeah. that out. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah. I think about that from time to time. We need to make that. That could be the logo. <laughs> um, oh, we got to put it on one of yeah, our we'll, social we'll, media. We'll take, yeah, we'll get a picture of it and put it up, man. But it was it was the coolest thing, you know, sending stuff back for for him to sign, and that book comes back because I thought because I got it for you, I think for your birthday or something, because the show was coming. I was like, man, this would be great to have. So when Rob Zombie comes, you can have him sign it. <laughs> I remember you just being so excited. Oh, about so it excited! Showing about me, it. yeah, the fact that he had this huge show to do, and he took time out to yeah. Do this illustration. Yeah, and I mean, he could easily just kind of signed it and not thought it, but the fact that he took the time to kind of draw that image, it was it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, yep. we'll, we'll have to show that to yep, you Yeah, we'll take that. Um, and then finally, you know, to close out my Trooper speech, the playlist stuff, you know, this is a great driving song. It's a great song for anything you're doing that involves rocking out. And obviously, you know, when the zombie apocalypse comes, this will be on my zombie apocalypse playlist. It'll probably be the start. Now are you like gunned up, ready to go? I'm not. I'm not. I'm you, not, I, you know what? I've got my plan. I'm not gunned up, ready to go. I will say that there is a there's a plan in development of if a zombie attack. <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous, but it's fun to chit chat about. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. If there was a zombie apocalypse, like I kind of have a plan on what I think I would do. And well, know. the beauty of your location is you got a moat. 
out in front. Kind of. I mean, it covers, yeah. you know, the back half of your house. Yeah. And you got a little bit of room yeah, out I front. Got, yeah. And you got enough space to, you know, gun them down. They can't get too close, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm up kind of a little bit up on the hill, a little bit. You got you got a window that yeah, I'm going covers to most of I think you'd need two people manning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, what they say in the handbook is that you got to make sure your staircase is collapsible. Yeah, because they'll come upstairs. So no, oh, yeah, think about that. Yeah, and you got a bathroom up there. You don't have a kitchen though, and your second floor of this house. So I mean, yeah. some things to think about. Yeah, I got some work to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah, you got to head start more, more than yeah, yeah. Years. You know what? At least I, the way I look at it is whether it happens, whether it doesn't, whether it's bullshit, whether it becomes fruition from this COVID thing. I've at least got a I've got a good foundation of a plan. So that's you know. What's the Boy Scout being prepared is the I I, I didn't I didn't get past Weeble Lows. Yeah, there was something there's something about Boy Scouts about preparedness or something like that. So, you know. I've I've got a good start on the battle. Okay, well good deal. So that's my Iron Maiden the Trooper. Can't go wrong. Classic. Classic. Uh, any 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 man out there that has to be a trooper fan. Yeah. And it's and like I said, it's so hard to pick just one. There's there's just I mean, just that little short list I ran through a song. I mean, any any one of those could be a number one song for somebody. Well, that's why, and several of them, depending on the day, could be my number one. Yeah, yeah, that's what makes them the greatest. Yep. Now let me uh, get into why I picked Iron Maiden. Uh, again, this was not. Uh, we did not talk about this. We never. We always go blind into this. You know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it's it's pretty much. I kind of send you a text, or you send me a text of, "Hey, this is my song this week," or. You know, we kind of inform each other. So the other, you know, if it's something I'm not familiar with, I can do a little research. If you're not familiar with, you can at least listen to it and kind of gather your thoughts. So, you know, we, we usually have a conversation of, hey, this is what I'm going to do this week. Right. And I know I'd sent the song of the week uh, previous to this, but um, something came up in between that time and now that I thought it was a good time to go Iron Maiden. Yeah. Um, now, the producer, um, engineer, um, named uh, Martin Birch, passed away just recently. Um, uh, Martin Birch is, uh, to me, is England's greatest heavy metal producer. Yeah, uh, you know Tom Allen is a close second. You know because Tom produced the first three Black Sabbath albums, and you know all the golden age of Judas Priest. You know we're talking like British Steel to ram it down. You know right. he produced all those albums, and and also you know the '83 Crocus album Headhunter, which fe- featured the amazing song "Screaming in the Night." It's a good record. Yeah, it's a good record. You know Tom Allen definitely. Uh, you know I would put second, but. Uh, Martin Birch, I'd put first, and I've talked about Martin Birch before. I think on the Rainbow episode, I mean, he got to start as audio engineer with the Mach Two version of Deep Purple. That's a version you know you hear Smoke in the Water with Ian Gillen leading the group. Uh, he engineered Jeff Beck group, which featured a young Ron Wood who went on to the Rolling Stones, and a young singer named Rod Stewart. And um, he also um, engineered uh, the Peter Green led Fleetwood Mac. Um, and Peter Green was another one who just passed away this summer. Now, did you know Peter Green uh, wrote the song Black Magic Woman, which Santana made famous? Really? Yeah. Uh, Fleetwood Mac did it first, but Santana is the one you hear on the radio. It's the popular version, yeah. 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 Now, Fleetwood Mac wasn't always Stevie Nicks. You know, there was yeah, there's been several incarnations. Yeah, several incarnations for the um, landing on the Rumors album or that Rumors version. 
he also did a personal favorite of mine. He also wrote um, the Green Man Alicia with the two prong yes. crown. Jesus uh, Priest. Jesus Priest. Now that's you know if I pick one that song stained from Jesus Priest. Glass? Um, yeah. Is that stained glass record? Yeah. I, yeah. No wait. No, it's Hellbent for Leather. Okay. Hellbent for Leather. Right. Yeah, that's a great album also. But that uh, that's probably my if I had to pick one Jesus Priest song right. and throw away the rest. I, I have to pick that one. Really? Yeah. I just it's a great song. And and Fleetwood Max is good, but Judas Priest brings KK down and Glenn Tipton into the equation. Right. You know, the 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 lead guitars and um but I never understood what the hell is a green man Alicia with a two prong crown. That one I had to look up. So, and, so I saw an interview with Peter Green. Right. Um now I kinda looked into him anyway because of his passing and what he was all about. And he said at the time he wrote The Green Man Alicia, he was taking a lot of LSD and was having violent nightmares. He said the song is about the evils of money. And to him, The Green Man Alicia was a devil manifested as a wad of cash. Okay. Which I've never really got that song. Right, yeah. If you listen to the lyrics, I, I thought it was about just a bad relationship. You know? Right. But it's, um, yeah, so that's a green man, Alicia, according to Peter Green. Okay. Now, so Martin Birch produced some of the, you know, personally, in my old ass opinion, he, he made some of the greatest records of all time. He was there for, he produced the Deep Purple, Coverdale Hughes, Stormbringer album, their Come Taste of Band, which is the only album they did with Tommy Bolin, who's from Effingham, Illinois, if I'm right. Really? Yeah, yeah I think he's not far from here. I mean, he had to go to... You know the big city to you know, sure make his way, but yeah, I think he's a Illinois kid, Southern Illinois kid, and uh, you know that was the last Deep Purple studio album until they did the Perfect Strangers reunion in the '80s. Um, he did the classic Dio Blackmore albums, the debut album Rising, Long Live Rock and Roll. He did all the pre glam White Snake albums, um, you know Snake Bite through Slide It In, mm-hmm. um, uh, and worked with Dio again when he went to Black Sabbath, to Heaven to Hell, Mob Rules. And uh, did a couple of the uh, Blue Oyster Cult albums in the early 80s there, the Cultosaurus, Erectus, and the Fire of Unknown Unknown Origin, which had the song, hit song, I'm Burning, I'm Burning, I'm Burning, burning for, for You. you. Yeah, uh, all Martin Birch. Uh, but when he came across the opportunity to produce Iron Maiden's second album, he pretty much, um, pretty much pushed all other uh, projects aside to become the exclusive guy for Iron Maiden. He was there... From uh, Killers on through, um, oh, the album they did in 92, the name escapes me, but I think he did one more live album for him, and then he retired in the early 90s. Really? You know, he didn't do anything after that, but he was pretty much, throughout the 80s, I mean, he did a few, but Iron Maiden was, he was mainly just working with them. In fact, Martin Birch was really annoyed he wasn't asked to do the first album, he would apparently, without Iron Maiden knowing, he was a fan of Iron Maiden. But, you know, Iron Maiden, you know, didn't feel worthy because they were fans of his uh, talent as well, what he did in the 70s. Uh, and Martin, I've seen an interview of Martin Birch say that it's probably best that didn't, they didn't recruit him at the time because they just would have gone along with whatever he had to say. You know, when they come in, because it was, it was their first album. And just, yeah, you, you just kind of, well, but there, but everything I read about him, it's like, you know, again, you know, Steve Harris had this vision of what he wanted Iron Maiden to be and what it was going to sound like and what it was going to look like, so. But didn't know much in the studio. Right, yeah. 
But it, it seemed like it'd be a band that would go in kind of like the Ronnie Van Zandt thing. This is what we're going to do, and this is how oh, I want the sound. <laughs> they kicked them out, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's yeah, it's hard to say, but it, it almost sounds like it was a case of, you know, they were too afraid to ask if he'd do it, and if he was a fan. It was just a, a, a simple case of just nobody even had a conversation thinking the other would be interested in it, when the reality is you should always just at least ask the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it would, and that would probably, if he was involved. I mean, Steve Harris has been on the record saying that his least favorite Iron Maiden album is the first album, not because of songs. It's got great songs, yeah. but the production. He was never happy with the way it was produced. Right. So, it could have changed that story if uh, Martin Birch was involved. But anyway, um, yeah. So that's why I picked uh, Iron Maiden this week. Now, the song itself, we talked a little bit about um, Fly to Icarus. Um, you know, we said it was the it, it was released uh, April 11th, 1983, almost a month ahead of when the album was released. And we talked about how S- Steve Harris was not a fan of it. He hated the tempo of it. He, sh- he thought it be thought it should be faster, like Todd's song this week, The Trooper. But Bruce Dickinson and Martin Birch both argued the tempo was perfect for rock radio in the U.S. market, and uh, and they would prove to be right. But it didn't change how Steve felt. And, you know, he didn't. Like I said, we didn't. He didn't play it for decades until this past tour when he did like a, you know, greatest hits, uh, Legacy of the Beast tour. I can't imagine that song being faster tempoed. I can't either. It, it would not be. It wouldn't be the song it yeah, is. Right. Yeah. I can, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around how you would how you would do that faster, and I don't know how you would do that. Yeah. Well. It would, yeah, it'd be a completely it different. Would change song. the way Dickinson would sing it. Oh, sure. it'd have to. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't be able to tell the story like he tells it, and that's one of the great things I love about this song. It's, you know, it's a, it's based on the Greek uh, mythological tale of the Daedalus is his name. Um, is is uh, this Greek myth is about is uh, I mean, long story short, uh, a guy named Daedalus and his son Icarus were held captive on by a king on the island of Crete. And noticing the birds flying above him one day, Daedalus, a master craft, craftsman himself, came. Came up a plan to build wooden frames proportional to his weight and size, uh, and have his son collect bird wings. They were going to escape this island, yeah. escape the wrath of this king. Um, now the the Dalis, uh, couldn't leave his son on the island, so he built a frame proportionally correct for him as well. And you know they you know they applied the feathers to the to the to the frames using hot wax, and they prepared for their departure. Uh, but with warning, the Dalis told his son that you know these these wings are not perfect. You know, you, if you fly too low, the feathers would soak up the moisture from the ocean and you know put weight on the wings and making it too heavy to fly. And he also said that you know if you fly too high, the sun will melt the wax. Right. You know, it, trying to tell his teenage kid, you know, mm-hmm. listen, you need to fly straight. You, yep. need to, you need to fly the same level as me. Don't fly too close to the sun. Don't fly too close to the sun. I mean, you're already getting you yep. know, the uh, lessons here. Um, so the next day, they take the flight, and the wings are a success. Uh, they sail away from the island. And after some time, you know, Icarus, we know this, most of us know the story, uh, Icarus, uh, his confidence and his abilities uh, were growing into overconfidence. The rush he was feeling in his ability to fly, something, you know, never experienced in human history, after some time in flight, Icarus's confidence in his abilities um, made him feel like he was a god. 
Yeah, go in the story. Confidence or cockiness? Hey, what's the difference <laughs> in a teenage mind? So, you know, he kept, you know, climbing higher and higher. And, um, of course, you know, the closer he got to the sun, just like his, um, his father uh, warned him, you know, the wax was starting to melt. You know, feathers were starting to come off. And, uh, you know, before he realized he'd flown too high, it was too late. The wax uh, had done its job, and the descent happened, and he crashed into the sea which is today known as the Icarian Sea, just off the coast of Turkey, and the island his body was recovered on is known as Icaria, both a tribute to the fallen legend. Um, now, being a Greek myth, there's going to be there's going to be a, a street smarts lesson involved, and obviously this story is right up there. You know, you you know you had to fly straight in life. Every, you know, everyone has their own interpretations. My favorite is that if you fly too low, your wings, um, which can be your individual freedom or your, you know, your, yourself, um, your self-will to help you achieve what you want in life, uh, could be filled, could be, you know, weighed down by emotional feelings, negativity, you know, a lack of confidence and, you know, lead to apathy, insecurity, self-pity, and even depression. Um, you know, you could be weighed down and, you know, but it, again, if you, fly too high, you know, you can get overconfidence without caution, and that could also lead to your fall. I mean, it goes right in line with um, that Neil Young song, uh, Hey, Hey, My, My, um, right. from 79, Russ Never Sleeps album, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I, I know I once said 83 was my favorite year of rock music, 79. Right. is 79's a solid year as well? Oh, that's another. I, I love all the albums that came out in 79. But, you know, you think about, you know, people that flow, flew too high and never flew straight, you know, like Jim Morrison, Elvis Presley, Keith Moon, uh, you know, Hillel, Slovak, the Real Chili oh, yeah. Peppers, you know. Um, you know, their lives were all played out in public. They either flew too high or too low. Never, never kept centered. Um, I, you know, and that, I think that lesson just lives on and on. You see it every day. It's people just being reckless. Yeah. I, that's probably the one lesson I get from this song. Now, I love the way Bruce Dickinson tells it from the point of view of Icarus because he, in the lyrics, you know, he uh, said his father betrayed him. Didn't blame himself. Right, yeah. What's his fault? He said, yeah, um, now he knows his father betrayed. Yeah. His wings turned to ashes. And um, I thought, well, you know, that's interesting. That's typical of a teenager. You yeah. know, it's not his fault. Right, yeah, no. I mean, you, you probably deal with a lot of that. Oh, right, yeah, I get some of that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, Flight of Icarus, and, you know, great radio song. Oh, yeah, I loved it from day one. Well, and like you said, the, the way he tells the story, it's the, the music almost kind of gets out of the way for him when, you know, when he's singing the, the verses and the chorus and stuff. It's, it's just like everything just kind of kind of parts so that the story can be told. That's and, a good point. I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, an interesting audio experience, I guess, for me that I've never really thought about until I was like, all right, sit down and listen to the song and, you know, trying to pick out what's interesting to me about why do I like this song. And it's just like, that's just one of the things that just kind of, kind of stuck when I was listening to it that night. It's like, man, it's just like, it's like this, this story so front and center that everything just kind of quiets down and backs off and gets out of the way and then gets, you know, loud again where it needs to. So it was like, it's, it's a great creation of song. Yeah, yeah, it's why it's on my, you know, my run playlist when I go yeah. for my long runs is because it's a great combination of 
song and story. Yep. Just, you know, it takes your mind off the fact that your, you know, your legs are killing you. Right. So, yeah, that's my pick of the week, Father Vickers and, you know, rest in peace, Martin Birch. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and then, you know, it's, like I said, I, I picked mine based on the World War Z being on and kind of made me think about the book and, so then I had to go find the book and look the chapter up and reread it. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm just going to do Trooper. And, and maybe it had something to do with because I think I saw that same thing about Martin Birch passing as well. And so I'm sure that was kind of stuck in my head as well. So, yeah, this was, a, this was a fun week. I've been excited about today just because, I mean, both picking songs from the same record. And Iron Maiden is just such a great, great band. Oh, such a fun band. Yeah, definitely so, one of my favorites. Can I tell you a great Iron Maiden story? You can tell me a great Iron Maiden story. Um, like when we went to see Iron Maiden, um, a buddy of mine, I'll, I'll leave his name out of it, um, we went to, this is a lesson about but, Live Nation. But but I think you said it earlier. Did I really? <laughs> yes. Okay, well, you'll have to rewind because I'm not going to say it now. Um, we went to see Iron Maiden on the Book of Souls tour um, in St. Louis, the Hollywood Casino, not the one in Chicago but the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater in St. Louis. Okay. Now, it had already been on sale for a while, and like I said, I have learned, um, I, I've had the issue of going to concerts by myself. So you know, I was waiting until I found somebody who wanted to go see Iron Maiden, and this guy wanted to. So I went online and looked for tickets. Um, now, it's really a lesson about this amphitheater, because there were tickets in... The front row, like there was a pit where you can, there was GA standing, right. and there were seats behind that. Now, off to the side, there were uh, platinum seats available, okay. you know, which is basically tickets. You know, they were open seats, but they were at a premium. Yeah, and you, there's usually ancillary stuff that you get with it, whether it be free soda and popcorn or. There's all kinds like of different gift ways to bag do that. or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah there wasn't bags. any of that. Yeah, it's just these seats were like. At a higher price, um, they might have been kill seats originally right. that were opened up, but they charged a premium price. I mean, it wasn't too expensive, but you know, I, I didn't like any. I wanted to get down close because it was Iron Maiden, and these were just there, so I just grabbed them. Now, the problem with the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater in St. Louis is that there's no the pit area is not a pit; it's just flat ground. You don't want to buy seats behind the pit area because you'll be looking at somebody's ass right yeah because it's there's no incline so you're just people in front of you are standing and if you're sitting you're sitting below yeah visibility you're looking at their asses uh unless you're in the back half of the sitting area i mean it's you know it's the pit the seats you know you got the the canopy above you save you and then like the grass ga um now these seats we got weren't in that situation they're off the side of the pit but the problem is is that the Book of Souls tour, um, they had a, it's basically, it's a concept album, um, uh, Maya, Mayan, Mayan themed, yeah. like the Mayan pyramids. Um, it had that thing going on, and there was these huge, these two walls on stage left, stage right. So where we were sitting, we were, this, this wall was in our face. Yeah. The only time we could see the band was if it came out to the edge of the right. stage yeah, in the could, center. You couldn't get depth. Or, or up on top. Yeah. So we were like, oh, man, we got to get out of this situation. This is no good. Yeah, you don't want to sit down low at that particular amphitheater. But So we're thinking, all right, let's see if we can go. We got to go back. We got to go back. This is not going to work. But as that thought hit my brain, um, my buddy's chair 
Now these are plastic, you know, fold down chairs. Right. His his collapsed. Okay. The seat broke out from underneath him, and he landed on the ground. All right. Now this is right where the entrance of the pit is, and the security uh, t-shirt security guy came up to see if we were okay, and, so, and we were, and I was like, oh my god, this, this is here. it. This, this is this is it. I didn't. I, I did not. The thought of if he's okay or not did right. not even register <laughs> with me because I was in the mode of we got to find a new seat. Right. So I was just like, man, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Our seats broke. We can't sit. We down. can't sit here anymore. And then the t-shirt he he bought right into it. The t-shirt security guy bought right into it. Well, here, there's a couple passengers going to pit. There you okay. go. There you go. I was like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So we got to go in the pit. We. We uh, went to the back center, you know, our, the rail was on, right. the butt, so we got to recline back on that, even though I'm sure the guy's sitting down, but right directly behind us didn't appreciate it. He did like my motorhead shirt, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but we had uh, the the perfect view. And, yeah, I brought my camera, videotaped some of it's on my Facebook page. Yeah. The Iron Man God smiled upon you. Yeah. Threw, Felt little, threw a little mercy at you. Felt mercy. You know, Apollo yeah. did not like Icarus, but he felt okay with me. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Lesson learned there. A lot of lessons. A lot of lessons learned today because of Iron Maiden. Yeah, it's a great thing. It's like we talked about earlier. I mean, so many of their songs are just a story of something that's happened historically. I mean, I remember, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I remember hearing that Bruce Dickinson at some point was even some sort of like university history professor. Again, I don't know if it's true or not, but... It would not surprise me. It wouldn't man, surprise me. The man has yeah. got a motor like nobody else. Yeah. I mean, he's a master fence, fence, fencing. fencing. Yeah. 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 Uh, pilot. He, he's a pilot. He flies the, the band's yeah. Air Force One airplane. Yep. I was talking about something I read with, you know, he'll go out and play a show and then fly the band to the next gig. Pilot the plane. That's no small plane. No. I mean, that's a Boeing it's a big 747 yeah. or 77-7. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, but but he did. Bruce did get a Razzie for worst song of the year. Did you know that? I you remember didn't. that one? Um, he wrote a song for an Iron Maiden. Was you know he got credit for it was the, the Nightmare on Elm Street Five. He wrote the song "Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter." Bring your daughter to the slaughter. Yeah, he we won the he won the worst song of the year Razzie and wow. and showed up. Uh, Should accept the award on the band's back. Good for him. Yeah. So you know he's got a sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, best. The thing I love about Bruce is that he told a story like when he first came into the band. Uh, Steve Harris is always when it came to the live show. Steve Harris is always in the center of the stage. Yeah. Like Paul Diano right. and everybody else would be off to the left and right. Well, Bruce, like I'm going to be the center of attention. You know. And he knew Steve liked to be in the center. Mm-hmm. So he put his monitor, like like if there was a little runway on the stage in the center, right. he put it right there in front before he'd go out on the catwalk or whatever and to block Steve from doing that. And he got a microphone stand that was taller than him that would go out. Right. So that would keep Steve Harris away from him. <laughs> And there were many, and there's even video out there of Steve Harris tripping over this microphone oh stand on a concert just to keep him out of the center of the stage. Oh my God. Just the, and he's laughing while he's telling the story, the, too. The, ever, the everlasting battle of lead singers versus other bands the real for positioning band. and yeah. egos clashing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. We did it. 
Iron Maiden to the max. Love it. Yeah, I don't. I'll, I'll be surprised if we ever do another matching or something close to matching again. I can't imagine it. This one was shocking. So I'm glad we got it out of our system. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. I, uh, I mean, there's a chance. There's a chance. I mean, it just depends on circumstances. You never know. Because there's a lot of. I mean, this is what episode. Fifteen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a good chance we'll bump oh, heads again. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. With that, I haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, go check out the socials. Subscribe, rate, leave comments on on whatever platform you're listening to if you can. Um, one thing I'm going to try to start doing as well uh, is like on the Facebook posts and the Twitter and the Instagram posts, try to link the artists page to it. So Iron Maiden, you know, I don't even looked it up yet, but you know, I'm sure there's an at Iron Maiden official band What's page up? on Facebook. So when oh. I put it on there, I'll I'll call it, you know, I'll put that in there. So if you know if there's something where, you know, if there's an artist you don't know, there's at least a link that'll get you somewhere to start researching them if it's something you won't go down a rabbit hole on. Yeah, and I'll Tyler, I think I'll send you pictures of um I put pictures up of like my buddy's broken. I took a picture of that. Oh yeah, if you got a picture of the broken chair, that yeah, really so. made our night. Yeah, give me and, that. Uh, man. Yeah, we'll a video put that. from the from the uh, concert and uh, and a picture of uh, Rob Zombie's um, illustration. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, send that over too. Handbook. Yeah, we'll put those up there. Yeah, uh, and then of course these songs will be on the the Spotify playlist. I'll get those plugged up there. So when this episode comes up, uh, you'll be able to go over to that. And if you're not familiar with the Trooper or Flight of Icarus, you can. Get your fix on that. Maybe, again, dive down a rabbit hole on some Iron Maiden. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Yep. One of the best out there. Yep. So, all right. Well, that does it. Thanks a lot. Goodbye. Goodbye.